A good realtor will spend three hours a day calling. This is not your typical boring real estate show. This is real estate marketing redefined, uncensored, and unedited in what's working today in the market minus the fluff. This is real estate marketing dude, because just having a license isn't enough. Now please welcome your host, the unprofessional professional, Mike Cuevas. What is up, Real Closers? There's a lot going on in the real estate world today, and what we're going to be talking about is the future of potential lead generation, how you can nurture leads through artificial intelligence. We've heard about this HUD suit against Facebook. What's going to happen with that? Is that going to actually change the way that we market our businesses on Facebook? How are you competing against the platform, Zillow.com, Realtor.com? And also, does this mean is a reemergence of building a strong personal hyperlocal brand? We're going to find out. We got three of the biggest influencers sitting in the exact same room where they could actually touch each other. And one of them is Mike Bjorkman. The other one is Mike Bernier and Howard Tager of Wailopo and his whole team there, guys. So this is a doozy. And what we're going to be talking about is what's going on. Folks, there's a lot happening here. So let's go ahead and bring on our cast of characters. But before I do, let me just please let everybody know how many of you guys want to do a deep dive coming up in uh, May 23rd to 24th. It's going to be located in San Diego, California, featuring Sam Karamian, Kevin Markarian, and Tristan Ahumada. So if you guys want to get more info on that, I do have that in the links for you. What's up, gentlemen? What's hey. up? We've also got G from Wailopo as well. And we've got Gary Ashton, who just won number one REMAX team in the world. In the world. World domination. Damn, Gary. I, I, sorry, I missed that intro. Why don't you guys tell me that? We, we just want to mess with you. Yeah, we want to let you just <laughs> the Easter egg. You got five influencers on here. Yeah, that's awesome, awesome. So, folks, you guys, let's get right into it. We got a lot to cover. You agree? Um, yeah. Let's start off with um, nurturing leads and artificial intelligence and the future of what's happening. I think we start off with the Realtor.com announcement, and let's touch up on that and why we're having this conversation. So I'm going to let one of you guys go ahead and take it away. Let's start with Bernier. Yeah, so I'm still a little bit sore about Realtor.com. We've been heavy spenders of Realtor.com for years. Uh, Realtor.com just recently bought OpCity, which is a national call center that basically incubates you know, leads to appointments for agents. And they do it for a referral fee, for a split. They have a brokerage license. They do have a brokerage license too, yes. Um, so we got the call a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that um, we are no longer going to have Realtor.com uh, connections, that all of our leads are going to be going directly to OpCity. And if we wanted to participate with OpCity, here's the instructions to do so. So in other words, they basically disrupted our entire lead model. Luckily, because I've known this guy for a while, uh, we've been working on some alternatives, and we've been, you know, really investing heavily with uh, Ylopo and uh, Facebook marketing. So we're able to survive the shift very well. But a lot of teams I've talked to have not been so lucky. Yep. And you guys remember when this happened with Facebook ads five years ago or so, and everyone turned likes, and the you have to pay to reach them. Now it's the same thing that's happening, but again, you got to own your own media, you got to own your own stuff, so that this doesn't happen to you in the future. Mike Bjorkman, Howard, uh, what are you guys' takes? Well, I'm the I told you so guy that I said this is going to be happening for a long time, right? When Zillow called me in 2009, said they were testing different beta models and wanted me to join in, this was one of them. Uh, it was a traditional model, flat fee model, and then this model. And of course, I told them no, nobody believed me. And now here we are with this. So I didn't think Realtor.com would be first to the plate. But you know what? They want to they make the most money, apparently. So if you guys don't think this is going to happen all around... You're absolutely crazy. And this is why I'm so passionate about just what you said. We need to be real estate agents 
but actually we need to be media companies with real estate licenses or, you know, marketing specialists with real estate licenses. And, and sitting in this room at Wailopo, especially G, watching what he's doing right now with artificial intelligence and how we're going to nurture leads uh, differently, it's pretty fascinating. But I'm going to stand out and say, look, everybody needs to stop. And I mean, stop buying leads. That's my perspective. And I have people around me that are probably going to punch me in the face, but I don't care. You know, I mean, and I, when I'm saying buying leads from those guys, like Howard and G, they don't want to take our business away from us. They want to enhance our business. That's why we're sitting well, in this room today. These, these mega tech companies that want to get rid of real estate agents are what we need to deal with currently. But let's, let's, let's talk about the dynamic of what the big portal leads are, right? Really, who's the brand? When the consumer goes online and looks for housing, are they going to MikeBjorkman.com? Nope. No, they're going to somebody else's large brand, and we end up being an extension of that brand that gets to work that lead if we've got speed to lead and we're lucky so enough. So here's, here's the thing, though. If you create, if you're the big player in the local market and you've created that brand awareness, yes. what you're doing is complementing what they're doing. They're bringing as many eyeballs onto I'm talking about Zillow. Right. Zillow is so well-branded. People are going to Zillow. Well. I'm also still spending money in my market by promoting myself. Yep. So I'm on the radio, I'm on billboards, I'm sponsoring two major sports teams. I'm also spending a lot of money on Zillow. So it's when people come to Zillow, it's that jab, 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 right hook, you know. Are they hearing me on the radio? Yes. Are they seeing me on the billboards? Yes. They see me at the sports games. But, I think but when they go to Zillow... Yeah. There I am again. So I'm, I'm a. But I think that's one of the points that, that Mike's making, which is which is Zillow is just one prong. You have a multi prong yeah. attack. You've diversified yourself. You haven't put all I your. I wouldn't back off Zillow. I wouldn't well, say I'm out now. Now with sure, but at some at some point when, when they is, go to crush when they you. when they go to when they go to fifty fifty commission <laughs> splits. Uh, yeah, The point is, the point is, Mike also diversified. Right, he diversified. Well, what he I was saying was, is, when they do that, I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Right, exactly. right. You're lucky. That's the yeah. point. But you're yeah. lucky. Some of our friends that got crushed yeah. last week or the week before, they go, "That's it. That's all my business got." You're super smart. You're just what I said. I'm you're smart. I was a, lucky. A marketing really specialist with a real estate license. Yeah. So you're so well branded. You still have lead gen. You still have the money to bring it in. But if everybody had their eggs in one basket, which most do, Zillow, Realtor.com, you know, when Zillow says, oh, Realtor.com's stock's up and they're making all this money, they're going to say, yep, let's turn the switch on and boom, yeah, that's yeah. it. And, and like Zillow, I said, look, we were, we were happy. We were fine with people getting Realtor.com and Zillow leads because mm -hmm. as much as we do a ton of lead generation, yep. we're also very, very focused on lead nurture. Yep. So we love it when you guys get leads from multiple sources that aren't even YLOPO. Because we're nurturing all that stuff. We're doing dynamic remarketing on all of it. We're going to use AI, behavioral texting on all of it. So multiple sources, right? But we had a lot of people who, you know, the funniest thing is, is you know, uh, Mike is like back in 2007 when we started Tiger, right? It was all like the Wild West. And it was, we were teaching people about pay-per-click, but it was all nurture stuff, right? Because it was all Google pay-per-click. Yeah. And we had to teach that. And the people got really, really good at it. They built these massive databases. And as your database ages, as long as you have patience, people will all of a sudden call me like, man, I wasn't getting any closes for like the first three or four months, but now it's taken up. Then they go 12 months in. The, the cool thing was like every single month you went deeper, you had more people falling off the tree right into your lap. But then when the portals came after that, and then everybody got used to just those immediate hand raisers, 
I want information about this. I want to go see it this week. So it all became speed to lead and everybody forgot all their best habits in terms of how you deal with yep. nurturing, right? So then fast forward and we know they're going, they're going to be pushing more and more into digging into your commissions, which disrupts your models. It's like really, so, so those folks who diversified their lead gen sources, like you have, like you have, like you have, you're, you're okay, right? That's where I think AI is going to become so pivotal because why everyone loved the portal leads was it was this immediate sort of, you know, you were only talking to those people you wanted to talk to, right? Our industry got yeah. lazy. Yeah, happened. right. So what we can do is say, okay, for the amount you are spending on portal leads, we can get you 10 to 20 times the number of leads. They're not all ready to go. Most of them are not ready to go. But then we use AI to nurture them for you and communicate with them. And then we then know the ones that really start communicating, they become hand raisers. So yep. that's kind of what we're focused on. Let me add this for our listeners really quick, because this is important before we get off track. The one thing that Realtor.com has, Zillow has, and any of these tech platforms, folks, is an audience. And once you have the audience, you own everything else that comes around it. And this is nothing more than a fucking giant game of attention. And the reason why Howard has to go and retarget all of these people is because the average consumer sees like 30,000 messages a day from different advertisers or 10,000, whatever the name is. And if your shit goes off pace or if you're gone for just 10 seconds, you have the chance to lose that attention to somebody else with a better offering. We didn't have all of these different ads and whatnot. And I think that initial relationship that you build with these leads, when they see that human side, when they see you popping up in different areas, even kissing your kids, holding your kids' hands, showing the human side of your business, they're more attracted to you. Because the only way that I think we could compete against these big tech companies is through relationships. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing that I was going to say is we actually have the ability to compete very effectively against the portals by fishing upstream, where that used to be like a disadvantage, like, oh, I really want these downstream ready to transact folks. The way to compete against the portals is to go, which we can do through social media and everything else, is go way upstream, fish the consumers out of the river, put them in your nurture fish pond, which is where we use remarketing and, and AI and all that kind of stuff. And guess what? If they're on a really good search site and they're getting relevant home sent to them all the time, guess what? They never go on to, to Z. They never go on to RDC. And here's the thing, though. In fact, exactly uh, right. 100%. But back to the branding again. What I was saying about you know RDC and Zillow, I mean, when the consumer knows their brand and you're just an extension of, and Gary's done a fantastic job of not having that happen because he's hyper-local and well-branded, extremely well-branded. But most agents aren't. Now what we have the opportunity to do is, Howard said, fish upstream. And for the next 6, 12, 18 months before they buy, all they're seeing is our personal brands over and over and over again. And in that fight for attention you just mentioned, Mike, that's going to be huge. Yeah, and we know that, that it's hard for agents to just keep their eye on all their leads and leads that are 12 months out or 8 months out or 6 months out. And that's where the AI becomes really important because we can actually have a, you know, a really good conversation with them and those folks that don't communicate yet great, we're just going to keep getting them homes that we know are precisely targeting them. But then all of a sudden, those folks who respond are like, yeah, actually, I'm interested in a four-bedroom, three-bath, $350,000 home, and I'd like to go see them. Boom, that's when we just tap you on the shoulder and say, talk to them, pick up the conversation. Yeah, right? By the way, here they are. Here they are, yeah. I used to dominate a geographical farm back in the 90s, right? 1,500 homes, dominated it. And with technology today, we can fish upstream, just like you said, and I've always been about going upstream because I hate writing ten, fifteen thousand dollar checks to a portal. So if we can geographically 
Target, which we can. I saw G do an amazing job. Yeah, I call it now digital door knocking. You actually don't have yeah, to go no. tell people to door knock. And we can digitally door knock with tons of different messages all the time with video messages. And the technology we have, it doesn't only have to be social media. As much as I love remarketing, retargeting, all that stuff, but we actually can verify their data through all the technology now. Name, email, phone number. All we need is that data. Oh, and so e even more. It's crazy. Even more. You can you can identify equity. You can identify if they're absentee landowners. You can identify if they're behind on paying the taxes. And you can sniper hunt now for individuals in that geo farm like you never could before. Oh, with your brand wrapped around yeah. the data. So for mega teams like us and Gary, especially doing 1,100 deals or whatever, you just make that geographical farm bigger and bigger. You use your personal database, your team database. You remarket and verify all their data. And now you can have literally tens of tens of thousands of potential clients that are being nurtured. And that's the name of the game. Nurture yeah. these people to where they do not have to go to a portal and they feel like they're in bed with you and they have a relationship with you. And, and I always say it, when I finally meet a client that's been nurtured, it's always a hug, not a handshake. And that goes back to the, when all the old timers, well, I guess like me say, it's still a belly to belly business, it's still relationships. But with your technology, with the technology available to us, we're doing that. We're nurturing relationships. We just don't have to do it like this. Yeah, we Mike, we had, we had a post, we, Mike, we had a post yesterday in our Wailopo Success community, which is a private group for all of our clients. And, and it, was, uh, it was a client and he was like, oh my God, my bot, my bot, my Wailopo bot just had a conversation <laughs> with a $1 million buyer. And basically he was just, he was just giddy, you know, serving yeah. up. Let's go through why this is important, guys. 76% of people last year used the first agent they spoke to, period. They did, they did. But yeah. let's also touch, this is an important fact. When you brought up about Tiger Leads back in the day before portals, keep in mind, this was a manual job back then. If you were going to nurture, what you really did, you had a couple of drip email campaigns, fine, but you had to do all the dials on your own. Now, can you think about it? It might take 10 conversations with somebody before they buy. It might take 15 contact attempts in between those conversations. Can you scale that over 10,000 leads? Manually, that's pretty big thing to do. This was my CRM when we started. Right, okay? right. Piece of paper with notes next to it, and the next date you follow up. And it had to right. fit in the back of my pocket. But Mike's right. It's like how we use the automation is more for in other ways than just now business. And I think that's the mental mindset that we all need to make, right? Everyone wants now, 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 now business. But the ones that you, when you start playing for business and a year from now, when it comes 12 months later, now you're, you're attracting. You're not, you're not there anymore because you're building on that brand. And you can do it on such a larger scale of leads. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of leads you can manage through automation and wait for them to signal to you that they're a hand raiser, which is huge. Yeah. I also, you know, look, the, the, let's be frank, right? The typical real estate agent is a bit sort of technology phobic. Right. I mean, there, you know, a lot of folks are, and, and you know, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Most people are right. It's all scary stuff. And look, I'm a great real estate agent, but I don't want to have to become an expert digital marketer and an expert at AI and all that. So I think that's also really critical for, you know, I, and I agree with you. Like, this so is a part, partnership. Exactly. Totally, but agents have two options right now. Okay. Like the markets change. If you don't change with it. You're going to be just like Jurassic Park. One, find a company like Howard's to do it for you, or two, freaking do it yourself and figure it out. Skill sets change as the market changes. It always has. Like in, two, in 2009, that skill set was short sales in REO, right? The people are still buying and selling houses, but the skill set changed. So we just got to change with it. Any th other thoughts on that before we get to the yeah, HUD suit? I got one. one because things are kind of like they go in cycles. <clears throat> you know, 20 years ago, what Mike was saying back in the old days when we did this, what we did is we actually created a brand for ourselves. That's what we did. 
you know, and, and people were drawn to that brand. We got away from that because of these big portals. What we need to do and what Gary is a prime example of, is this man has built a brand that everybody in his marketplace knows. His own personal brand that he could probably, you know, his, his, his website hits alone are probably huge because people know to look for him. That's what we got to get back to doing again is start building our own brands and being in business for ourselves and have companies like this that don't work against it. The difference between the portals and what Y Lopo is doing, instead of you being an extension for the portal, now these companies like Y Lopo are now helping you build your brand and your business. That's a huge difference. Yeah, totally agree. If you guys want to get in some, some ins and outs, how? How do you build that brand? People are like, what, what do you mean build a brand? I see a lot of people confuse what a brand is. Folks, a brand is nothing more than just how many people know who the hell you are and what you do. Let's not overthink it. You have to consistently create content and or media or an excuse to stay in front of those people in order to do that. And it's consistent communication with your audience is how you build the brand. And I'll give you an example. If you don't talk to your wife for 10 months, are you going to get a divorce? Yes. Absolutely, because you got to consistently communicate with one another. It's no different with how we market a brand to a business owner, and it's, it's how every business markets their business. You have to have an ongoing story. It's media, video, and print, right? Totally. Based around relationships. So you got to find every way that's affordable and effective to ramp that up for your team. And what's funny is all the big portals are going towards all their affiliate agreements. So they're effectively going to make more money off of the ancillary products that they will the commissions at some point. So if you don't think commissions are going to be compressed more and more and more based on that, you're crazy. And now what are we going to be doing running around for 1%, half percent, quarter percent, and it's getting crazy. So, gonna be running around Mike, can you please you clarify what you meant by that, Mike? Dumb that down for me a little bit more so that everyone understands what he said because yeah, Mike's so, right on. So break that down for us. Most people know that I own the big brook right? And I was into title, escrow, any other ancillary product possible. But the big ones, the big money makers, and I can feel Mike's really looking at me now, but they're all going to go consumer direct. And they're not going consumer direct only, they're going direct portal direct. So at the end of the day, the real estate agent's commission is going to be less and less and less valuable because they're going after the side money. And they're going to go after our consumers directly and they're going to build relationships with the portals that are gonna matter a lot. So again, it's more important well, that we build our brand now than ever, because we can always diversify and have insurance companies and painting companies and landscape companies and all that good stuff, but the average agent or the average huge portal, that commission is gonna compress more and more. Redfin is the first one to prove it, right? So they straight out advertise everywhere, we're gonna sell your house for 1%, and then they get their dingling $50,000 a year agent to facilitate that. Well, how many are willing to do it for less? And then at what point does it come to how many commissions do you see compressed in the computer and the MLS already? I'm seeing them under 2% now. And well, let, let's, let's going to get crazy. But let's talk, let's talk about the ancillary, right? So what it is, and this is, this is how the portals, I think, are going to affect this. So with the commission split model with OpCity, if that goes you know, nationwide, which you know, if you're buying a $200 million company, my guess is you're going to fully integrate it. So let's just say they're going to go nationwide. Now, how, how much of a stretch is it going to be that that 35% turns into 50%? And when that 50% commission split hits, how much of a stretch is it going to be that if you use our title and mortgage, or guess what, you are using our title and mortgage, and you're still getting 50%. If you want our OpCity leads, you're going to push our ancillary. So now you're going to disrupt the relationships that the agents have with their own ancillary companies and or vendors or partners. Yeah. Now, that's going to happen, I believe, with every portal. And I believe the commission compression you're seeing with the companies mm -hmm. like Redfin, well, you know, it's a loss leader to feed ancillary. 
That's what it all is. Can you guys explain now this is basically like open door business model because that's the next question that's going to lead to, you know, how are you going to compete against the open door offers? Because it's not just the tech companies coming after your guys' commissions, guys. Right. Uh, you guys got iBuyers coming on into the scene too. And there's a major opportunity here, but break down their business model just so everybody understands what you so, mean by ancillary because they're doing it, what you just said in that. escrow title, all that stuff, the big money makers, the mortgage. I mean, Gary Keller, one of the smartest guys in the world says, I'm going straight after mortgage and property management, right? We're a tech company now. We're not a, we're not a freaking real estate company. So when you're going after, I don't know, phrase that, let's go to Relo and REO. When we got out of REO when 2011 came around and the REO market crashed, we were as REO agents actually only getting 50% of our normal commission. If you get a reload today, I don't care what part of the country you're in, that referral fee is 45% and the agents are gladly taking it. So to Mike's point, that is coming to 50% tomorrow. And, and there's companies out there that'll say right on their website, we just wish you use our referral partners. We'll list your home in the MLS for free. So I'll tell you about that iBuyer thing. What a lot of people don't realize is Google invested millions of dollars into some auction companies, right? We have auction.com, Zoom is super smart. So what they're trying to do is a buyer the commission reversal. Commission reversal is just what they're doing. There's a buyer premium on there. So the iBuyer programs are getting more and more convenient and that it could become, this is World War III, right? It could become where Zoom and auction.com and a couple other people that flip into the auction model like Zillow probably will the buyer premium will be normal. So now they're going to have the power and the audience, like you said. I mean, what does Zillow and Redfin have like the most accurate databases next to Facebook and, and freaking Amazon, of course. So they actually do have that audience. And how hard will it be for us to compete with the actual seller saying, look, we can do things better than them. At what point do you lose that market share? So if the buyers, so if the iBuyer programs come by and they say, look, we'll buy your house. And we already know from looking at all our groups, they're doing it for hardly any commission now. And if they just flip that buyer premium on, it's a done deal. So that movement has already taken place. So we have three things happening at once. The portal's taking over, the agent's fighting for their business, and then the auction buyer commission reversal programs. One of these three things have to survive. So it's either the agents grow some and, and stick up for themselves, or we just all go work for portals and banks, or we go to auction models and we all become investors and just try to find the deals ourselves because as the prices of homes go down and the commissions are just taken out of them and it's standard for the buyer to pay that commission, it's not a big deal. Well, look, look at the NAR lawsuit. You're not even, we're not even touching on that yet because the, yeah, the NAR lawsuit you know, is again attacking the seller paid buyer agent commission model, right? So, but back to something that you mentioned, but you know, should we just go work for the portals? I think what we need to really, really focus on now, again, back to 20 years ago, the reality is most people are putting a house on the market. They're waiting for somebody to go show it, somebody to write an offer. And really, they're almost like a professional door opener. There's really not a lot of that they're adding to the transaction. And I think that's part of the problem yep. is what can we really do to add value back into a transaction. And I think if we focus there on adding real value and significant value, and I'm talking about beyond the showcase study that our property sold in this much time, we had this much of an audience, we had this many offers, and our last four properties went this much over asking price in this amount of time. Because look at the iBuyer program. What they're alleging is that our processes are irrelevant, clunky, no longer necessary, and they can automate most of our processes away. Totally. And you know what? They're trying to create the car lot experience. You drive your car up, you take a 20% loss in your car, you go pick up your new car, in between you sign a couple papers and you drive off the lot. They're trying to create that experience and they're trying to feed their ancillary companies by doing so because yeah. you're gonna sign 
you know, paperwork with their ancillary. And it works. Look at CarMax, number one used yeah. car dealership in the country. Then Power took over the same. They don't care. They won't negotiate. They don't have to negotiate. They don't don't so. you think it splits on three levels? You've got lower end. It's all super price conscious. Mm -hmm. That's going to be all the eye bad stuff. Then you've got the mid-level, which I think that's where the realtor is still going to be valuable. Mm -hmm. You'll be adding value. Yep. And then you've got the luxury market where that's I just want you to do it all for me, and I'm willing to pay yeah. you to do it. Right. Now you're getting into specialization oh. where there's like the commercial real estate agents, for the most part, will always be around. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go to auction.com and buy a really nice commercial building, but I, I'm in the business and I'd still be freaking out. Right. So when you talk about specialization, like I would never plan a European trip without my travel agent. Right. But I'm not flying to Vegas, you know? So specialization is a totally different thing. And oh, I was gonna say, with my property management company, I said we have 50, 60 listings on the market at all times, we're carrying a lot of liability, watch this. I put out one post in our local Facebook group, I said, hey, agents, if you will show our properties for 20 bucks a showing, you get to keep the buyers and just pay me a 50% referral fee. Yeah. 25 people in an hour. That sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> you, know, you guys, check this out. So let's touch on a couple of points. Um, you guys, there's, there's two different things. Like branding isn't advertising. Advertising isn't branding. There's two different things going on there. So don't confuse the two. But I do think it's going to be a mixture of building on the personal brand as well as changing your USP. And here's some of the conversations that we're having over here, and I'm happy to share. I think that we're going to have to offer an optional model. One model is facilitation only. One model is contracting to help them flip their own house. One's actually giving them the fucking money to flip their own house. I only right. see that as the, those options are the only way we're going to compete against the I buyers because that's one of the ways that they can't, that and emotionally, right? Well, okay, so yeah, I do see the optional thing coming into big. I think it's going to be huge. Let's not glaze over that because number one, what you talked about is becoming a first and only point of contact though. What's yeah. happening in the I buyer is you're getting the call afterwards and, afterwards and say, sorry, Mike, I just uh, sold my home to open door. Well, why didn't you call me? I've got an iBuyer program where I could have mm -hmm. helped you. Well, if you're not branded, absolutely, that totally. The contact, you have to make sure they're calling you, not other people. And if you yeah. want an iBuyer solution, I got two or three of them. I'll walk you through it. But what you just said too, this is what I'm talking about putting value back into a transaction. Yeah. If somebody comes to me and says, I really want to put my house on the market, but I know they need ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars for the carpet and paint, but they can't afford it. Well, if I have the ability to finance that, get the work done for them, put it on the market, and now they make more money. Yep. then that's, that's, a, that's value to a transaction. That let, me, let me give you a hypothetical, real life, that's happening right now. So we get a referral from one of our guys in Tampa, and someone has a house here in San Diego, and it's been not touched, like updated since the 70s. So we already know it's a rehab, but it's an inherited property from uh, someone passed away. Long story short, the owner of the property, the fourth wife, I guess, doesn't want to pay commission. First thing she says, right? I don't want to pay commission. I want to pay commission. Well, the only reason we got the appointment with her is because we're giving them three different options. One, we'll buy your house right freaking now. Two, uh, we also have a contractor team that'll show you how to, you know, we'll coach you on how to get your house. I just want the listing. We're not going to charge you a GC fee or anything like that. I'm just going to show you what type of cabinets to replace, what type of hardwood floors to put in. And if you don't have any extra money, we'll actually lend you the money and we'll let you flip your own house. But let's give you all three options. Let's figure out what the hell you want to do. And you make the decision. Here's net sheet one. Here's net sheet two. Here's net sheet number three. Here's your walk away with each one of these. This one's going to take a little bit more time, but you make more money. This one will be done tomorrow. This one will be middle of the road, right? Um, so Mike, what you're talking about though is exactly why Open Door is finding success. Because we're not just talking about who's going to sell at a higher price. You're talking about here's your net on three options, which one sounds best to you, because it's not always about the highest sale price. 
Sometimes it's about being in alignment with the way that right. they want the you know, period. It's just the ease of the transaction. It is, totally. There's tons of contractor partners that are already reaching out to us saying, we'll do this for you. Compass is already doing that for their agents. So what you said is a big deal. So you're right. You have to offer the plans. I buyer, the transactional, and the full. Look, if you're, if you're straight up traditional, I'll put your house in the market and wait for somebody to write an offer. You're going to get a software. I want to make one point, which is we're in a 10-year bull market. So this is all great. iBuyer programs are all great when homes are appreciating 8% a year, right? And when you put a for sale sign and you've got multiple offers and all that kind of stuff. But what goes up comes down. I'm old enough to know. And what goes down goes up. So I can tell you that you know there's a lot of Wall Street money being thrown at all this stuff, every sort of now publicly traded or pre-publicly funded broker. I'm not going to name who these big brokerages are, uh, all these big iBuyer programs. You heard it here. I'm telling you, the party will end at some point and they will not sit on inventory that they can't move. I always have to remind people, you know, during the, uh, the last big recession we had, you really didn't want a listing <laughs> because that listing cost you money and you couldn't move it. Right. Buyers were gold, right? So, so I, think, I think you have to just sort of factor that in as well, which is the dust is going to settle and it will take a mini recession or, or a average recession to make the dust settle. But what you guys are talking about is very valuable to any agent that's sitting out there, which is you know, don't be afraid about all of this, grasp it and use it to your advantage. And that's where hopefully G and I can come in and think about how to create these automated marketing programs that basically help you come say, look, I've got all the options for you. In a sense, like I am your agent, I am your broker, right? And I will be your go-between to get you the best deal, whether it's this iBuyer program, my investor, a rehab flip, or whether it's me actually getting you, whatever you want, we're going to show you all the options. They need that counsel. Yes. And, and that yes. word, that advice, counsel, that's really what you guys do. And anybody who's just like, I don't want to pay commissions, they just treat you as a salesperson for their absolutely their most valuable asset in their life. I think that's a good point because you see this chatter happen up in the groups all the time. They're like, oh, they're not going to pay me a 5% commission. I'm worth way more than that. Screw that. Remember, they're still buying a house you're going to pay a commission on. I'll take any listing at 1%, then lose it, inherit the relationship, and get paid on the buy. Like, you got to start thinking outside the box. We're not entitled to jack shit, guys. We need to earn every dollar that we make going forward. And the only reason that we're in this spot is because we've been entitled for over a fucking decade. But here's the thing, Mike, what you're talking about, and this, is, this goes back to Howard, right? <laughs> are we live in the yeah, group? We are. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. Blaylas. <laughs> so I don't think I've been entitled. I've worked hard for the last 10 years to get to where. But the thing is, the difference is I've reinvested the money I've made to create the brand. And so totally. hopefully I've created that relationship within the community. They know who I am. So in an ideal world, they trust me. They know me. They're aware of me. The iBuyer stuff is still, who is that? The portals really, I think they've really sort of figured it out without telling everyone what they've really figured out. That iBuyer program for them is all marketing. It's the world's greatest listing. It's the world's greatest selling. They're not going to sit in all that inventory. And they've actually also figured out how, both of them, have figured out how to become brokerages Without You guys have all been brokers, right? Mm -hmm. And you know the operating nightmare of owning and running a brokerage. They've figured out how to go eventually get 50% commission splits without having to have the operational headaches. They get all the benefits. They're a paper brokerage. That's what they are. The benefits of 
taking commission splits without okay. having the operations yeah. of actually having to, you know, run those yeah. deals. Here's a good point too, is like five years ago, I was really involved in the investor community. They're also competing with the mom and pop real estate investors. Like that's another group that's very not happy about this whole situation. However, I think where they got their lead gen, there's not a better seller lead tool ever than I buy your house or I will buy your house or I'll buy your ugly ass house, whatever the hell it that's is. Been around before seller, it's been forever. And that's the only thing that still generates a seller lead, which is why it works for the rehabbers. To me, the iBuyer, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. It's a marketing ploy. You're creating seller leads. Worst case scenario, you turn them into listings. Who cares? But, but let's, let's look at the silver lining. I, I agree with Howard. I don't think you're going to see iBuyer, especially in a recession, do half of what they think they're going to do or what they say they're going to do. But what it did for us is it started exposing the fact that in our transactions, that a lot of agents, and I think I'm gonna use the word entitlement, maybe a little different than you do, but a lot of agents have really produced, you know, really bad habits and bad experiences for the consumers. And it and these companies have come out and said, you know what, we've heard the consumers' demands, we're gonna we're gonna do something better than what you guys are doing. You know, and to be honest with you, in a lot of cases are right. A lot of agents are doing very little for a lot of money. So I'm thinking about how we can add value to really secure our future as an industry. Is something we should be thinking about with or without this iBuyer pressure or portal pressure. I mean, look, uh, home annual <laughs> home appreciation absolves all sins. These people that buy homes, oh, I'm going to fix it up for 50000 Oh, but it ends up costing them eighty. Well, as long as that home's kept appreciating, they don't lose their shirt. They probably even still make some money. But I've seen this. Like, everybody was buying and flipping homes prior to the Great Recession. Everybody and their uncle was in that business. And people were making even more money running webinars on how to be in that business, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? We're back to that same thing. But the second that homes don't appreciate, you're no longer absolved of your mathematical errors, right? Or your remodeling you're errors exposed. or all that kind of stuff. You're exposed. you're exposed. And when that portfolio is sitting and sitting and sitting, right? And you've got a cost of capital, that's when you're going to see flush out. So I'm always about like trying to look around the corner. We always, and that's why these kind of forums are kind of cool because like get a lot of really smart guys to think about what's coming around the corner. What's coming in two years? What's coming in four years? What's coming in six years? And that's how you stay important and relevant and how you grow your business. It's not right now because right now, all these people that are doing the home flips and I buying all this stuff, they're going to get flushed away. Right? Yep. So you guys, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this HUD suit. Uh, next, we're right at about that 40 minute mark. So let's hit this HUD suit questions. Unless you guys want any finishing points on this, any uh, yeah, final thoughts? G to say something here. <laughs> G, come on. <laughs> so a lot of people are reading about Facebook being sued by uh, housing and urban development. And Facebook themselves came out with a policy statement recently and they, they isolated three areas. One was, you know, anything to do with advertising homes, right? So maybe you can sort of clear up exactly like what's going on and why people should or shouldn't panic about this, people who have found success advertising on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So basically, in a nutshell, what's going on is that prior to this HUD suit, and really the HUD suit is tied into a bunch of discriminant lawsuits that Facebook recently settled. And, and Facebook has already made a commitment that by the end of this year, they are making some major changes from an advertising perspective for the three segments that Howard is talking about, right? Housing being one. And the primary goal of these changes is to take away some of the levers that agents could have taken advantage of to discriminate from a housing perspective. Like, for instance, excluding certain demographics or zip codes, excluding certain people of ethnic backgrounds, and so on and so forth. 
right? So, you know, from a operational, so let me first talk, talk, start from a principal's perspective, right? So first off, even before, you know, Facebook took away these restrictions, the HUD discrimination laws and rules and regulations have always been there, right? So, so if you were leveraging discriminatory ways of marketing, you were in trouble beforehand or afterhand. So in some ways, what Facebook is doing is helping you because they're putting guardrails around how to prevent you from not making major mistakes, right? So that's number one. The second is that if you were using Facebook's demographic targeting and all that kind of stuff from a um, perspective, not from discrimination, but trying to actually isolate people who are actually interested in buying and selling, the good news is that even though there are going to be changes, those changes will not impact you as long as you understand the science of what's happening with Facebook ads, right? So let me first explain tactically what's going to change, right? Tactically speaking, what's going to change is that in probably September, October of this year, when you go into Facebook and you create an ad related to real estate, right? Now, how are they going to know if you're creating an ad related to real estate or not? Probably at some point you're going to identify your business on the ads manager as this is a business dealing with real estate or housing, right? Once you have identified yourself as a housing advertiser, when you go into the targeting section of Facebook, you're going to have a restriction when it comes to geographic targeting, and you're going to have a restriction when it comes to interest targeting, right? Geographically, Facebook is going to not allow you to target, include, or exclude an area without a minimum of a 15-mile radius, right? So that means that if I were targeting, for instance, the you know, city of Nashville, right, or Brentwood, Tennessee, um, you know, when I create an ad for that environment, I'm going to be targeting that particular city plus 15 miles around, right? Now, the good news on that is every single ad that Ylopo runs today for all of our clients, which is thousands of agents across the country, they're already all 15-mile radius targeted, right? Why is that? Because based on our research, um, the average home buyer looks to buy a home within 15 miles of where they currently live. Right? So that 15 mile radius restriction is really not going to do much for you. You know, it's not going to change the economics uh, that much in terms of the targeting parameters, right? The second is interest targeting. So you won't be able to, for instance, target people by ethnicity, exclude people by language, all those things that frankly you shouldn't have been doing anyways, you're not going to actually be able to do, right? So, you know, bottom line is why is it that we don't think this is going to make a major difference, right? The reason is because at this point, from a Facebook advertising perspective, you picking what demographics you're going to target from an advertising perspective is not how you get the best results from Facebook, right? Because Facebook has invested billions of dollars every single year into AI, machine learning, and data science, right? What you're trying to do is tell Facebook from the advertising that you are already doing, who you should have clicking on those ads, right? So for instance, when you're running a standard ad with a conversion objective on Facebook, Facebook's first inclination within that first two weeks of running that ad is if you're targeting a thousand people, Facebook's gonna figure out who are the 100 people that are most likely to click on this ad, right? They're not serving to 100% of those people, 80% of those people, even 50% of those people. It's the 100 people that are going to most likely click on that, 
right? So if you, for instance, are advertising a luxury listing and based on the price point of that home, the advertisement, the photos used and all that kind of stuff, you are communicating to Facebook, you are targeting a luxury audience, the people who are going to click on those ads are going to be luxury buyers, right? So as long as you have the appropriate marketing intelligence of how you're going to go about understanding Facebook's targeting mechanisms and how they go about targeting the right people, and then make sure you're creative and what you're advertising actually matches up to your objectives, you're going to be fine. You know, the last time Facebook made a major targeting change across the board, our clients cost per lead dropped by 20%, right? Why? Because it got a lot of the advertisers who didn't necessarily know what they were doing to move out of the marketplace, you know? So I, I think this is going to be an opportunity for everyone to go deeper into the science of Facebook and the people who understand it, who take the time to learn it or leverage partners that do are going to come out. Sometimes a 15 mile radius actually does include a bunch of areas that you don't really cover as a, as a realtor, right? So even if we're bringing in all the, those folks, you know, we have the ability to ask questions, you know, sort of during the funnel, non-discriminatory questions. We can ask questions about, you know, the price range of the home that you're really interested in, your buyer time frame, right? Do you really want to rent? Do you really want to buy? There are a whole slew of non-discriminatory questions that can be asked where we're still going to show every single consumer homes. We're not going to like not show them ads. We can show them all ads and they can all have access to great home search. But in terms of actually siloing, like, you know, let's say, you know, Mike really just wants people that are, you know, looking at $500,000 plus homes within, want to buy within six months, they're putting out renters. We can still do that post the lead coming in. But can I, can I just make this comment? Because, gee, what you just said should scare the pants off everybody to not try to do this on their own. Hire professionals because the last thing we need to do when we're trying to sell real estate is follow Facebook and all the changes they make. Hire professionals that do this for a living if you want it really to be done at a high level. Hey, that's my yeah, I, have a, I have a question. So yep. what about, and that's very well on how you explain that. Um, I didn't know that. So here's my question. For mm -hmm. people that work in dense areas, like if I, I, work, I used to work in Chicago and yep. one mile outside of my market, sorry, you walk down that street, you're getting shot. All right, so 15 miles is a huge radius. I could be in all different types of neighborhoods. I could be marketing a house in the Gold Coast, that's $3 million, and within three miles, you're in the hood. Okay, so like for that area, it does make sense to target a zip because that's the people in the neighborhood. It's just a different neighborhood. It's not that we're targeting demographics. But what you're saying is that, well, based upon the copy that you have in the ad, that Facebook will intelligently find people on whom that should be served to anyways. Yeah, so so uh, you know this this might might be getting a, a little too too uh, dense, right? But there's a couple of different things that you can do, and again, this is where you're either going to have to invest the time to figure this out, or you know invest in a partnership that already can set this up, right? So this is a pretty conventional problem that happens across all industries, right? You have people who have higher lifetime values and lower lifetime values. How do you solve for that beyond just you know telling Facebook like here's the only people I'm trying to reach, right? So there's a couple of things. The first is that your creative is definitely going to matter, right? The more your creative is targeting from a perspective of who am I trying to speak to directly, right? The better you can make that creative, that's going to make it a huge impact, right? The second thing that's going to make an impact is giving Facebook the signals of who is valuable that comes to your website, right? And that all happens via the Facebook pixel, right? So with the Facebook pixel, if I install that on my website, I can tell Facebook every single time a consumer comes to our website, 
a lot of information. So for instance, if this person came to my website and was looking for homes that are over a million dollars, I can give that lead a score of five, right? Uh, or 10, you know, a lead that comes in and looks at a different price point, I can score with a lead of one or two or three. I'm just simplifying, but obviously there's a lot of different grading systems, right? Based on the number of times that person comes back to the site, the frequency based on, you know, the types of homes they look at, all that kind of stuff. I can send that signal back into Facebook and Facebook can use that to optimize against all those variables, right? Now, those are tactics that in e-commerce and in uh, auto and a lot of industries, they've used from a Facebook perspective for years and years now, right? And at this point with residential real estate, we're going to have to all level up to use that technology in the same way to accomplish the objectives you're talking about. Totally. Very well explained. Interesting. All right, guys. Well, um, I think we covered quite a bit. Let's uh, get this wrapped up with some closing thoughts. If everyone sort of wants to just sort of take a stab at it and uh, we will get this wrapped. I would say I'm, I'm a sky is not falling guy. There are a lot of changes going on in the industry, but I think there's a way to, to make lemonade out of the lemons that you perceive, embrace technology, embrace what's happening in the marketplace and understand that while a lot of things are changing, what's really interesting because you know, this is my second company in the space, while a lot of things are changing, there are a lot of things that just haven't changed, right? So for example, in the old days, as you were saying, you know, manually, you manually had to get listings out to your, to your buyer and say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? Very time consuming. I've tried to do that over a hundred, a thousand times, right? You run out of time in the day. Well, we can use technology now to automate that process for you. And you're still delivering value to that client or to that buyer that no one else is delivering. And you guys talked today about how to deliver more value. There's so many iBuyer programs. It's so overwhelming. And there's investors. And there's what happens if you flip or you know, remodel. There's all these options. And I, Mike Cuevas, I love what you're saying here is, is you are the counselor. You're the advisor to show them those options. So it's these unique selling propositions, which I think are greater than ever both on the buy side and the list side. As long as we're thoughtful about it, I think that, that we're going to crush it. I'm going to give a closing thought too. So if you look at what like the most coveted or valuable piece to a real estate agent's business, it's really the pipeline. You know, that's what really drives us to be able to do business is our pipeline. One of the mistakes that I've seen over the last many years is we've gotten ourselves in positions where we have all of our eggs in one basket and our business model depends on one other person's business model. So if a portal shifts, all of a sudden 50, 60, 70% of our business goes away overnight. We don't want to do that. I think diversifying and getting a lot of different lead sources, you know, not just being a referral agent, but you know, being a referral agent, but doing other things too, getting really, really in depth and, and go deep on, on lead generation. And if you can do that and you've got leads coming in from all directions, then what's just going to happen if one thing shifts, you're still going to be okay. So, you know, again, I'm not a sky is falling person either, but what I think I'm really trying to say is build, make, your, database. build, your, database. Yeah, build your database from a thousand mm -hmm. sources. That, that lead pipeline, that database is going to be your key to survival no matter what, period. Yeah, I like that as a final thought too. Um, we talked about diversification a few times. It's diversification in your business, diversification in your marketing, and diversification in your database. All those three things will keep you safe no matter what happens. Like Howard said, always embrace technology uh, because it allows us to do things we never could before. For example, like I made that geographical farm for something that would take years and years to do, you can do within 90 days to six months now based on technology, which is amazing. And don't live with your head in the sand. 
watch, be part of masterminds. We're going to be in four days of masterminds coming up. It's going to be intense. And because of those things, we're going to learn how to stay ahead of the market. If you ignore things like that, you'll be left in the dust. So I agree. Speaking of masterminds, for those hey, of you that are hey, interested hey, in hey, hey, you gotta go around the room. Go finish the table. Potentially. Oh, sorry guys. I thought you guys were all, all going. All right, come on. So all I was gonna say is I agree with everything that you say, but from my point of view, what we're doing is really investing in the agents. Because essentially all you're gonna do is really you have to add add value. And uh, we are still the focal point of the transaction. So the more that we add value, and it doesn't, just like everybody was saying, you just got to become aware of what's going on, keep investing in yourself, in your business, learning. I mean, it just comes back to what everybody else has been saying, essentially. So go with your final thoughts. G? The only thing I'll say is, you know, we are, uh, we don't do this often, but we made a, a pretty major uh, enhancement to our product suite around AI about two weeks ago that I would say has blown me away with how powerful it is. And I think that, you know, any agent that is looking to grow their business understands the pain of bringing on more leads and bringing on more process, which means more people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that AI is finally at a level where they can assist that. We're going to do a webinar, Wailopo is going to do a webinar for prospects around just this technology next Thursday. So if you go to our Wailopo page on Facebook, you can sign up for it. Even if you have no intention of using our platform, you know, I really recommend that you go on that webinar because you're going to understand this is the type of technology you need to aspire to have, whichever partner you end up with, right? And so highly encourage that. It'll be very educational. Yeah, I mean, I've been going to real estate conferences for well over a decade, and one of the things that doesn't change is everyone always talks about how when you call a real estate agent, they don't answer, right? <laughs> you know, like it's like astonishing the, the sort of bad response rate statistics in the industry. This is where AI is a, is a game changer because AI is not lazy. <laughs> AI is not emotional and AI is not taking kids to soccer practice. AI is always on to communicate with your consumers when you can. So I just went on something too. We all did our final thoughts, and then Howard had to jump back in and get the last word. <laughs> That's Howard. That's Howard point out. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to cut all of you off uh, right now. And speaking of Mastermind, guys, if you're not aware of this event, it is coming up on uh, May 23rd and 24th in La Jolla, which is near San Diego, California. And it's all, it is a Mastermind. This is a deep dive. Sam Cramium, Kevin Markarian, and Tristan Ahumada will be leading that. If you guys are interested in that, click on the link deepdive2019.com and go ahead and uh, fill out an application. But you guys, great conversation. I think that was an amazing conversation. Tons and tons of insight. I'm going to be seeing you guys this week, and I think this conversation is going to continue over a campfire and maybe a couple of beers. So appreciate everyone tuning in today. It's a lot of fun. You folks, things are changing. Keep your eyes, don't, like Mike said, don't put your head in the sand. Keep your eyes wide open. Now's the time to be wide open. And if you play your cards right, there's a major opportunity here, if you know what it is. Talk to you guys later. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Today's episode may be over, but we have plenty more to keep you busy. To get your complete blueprint for building out a real marketing plan for your real estate business, head over to realestatemarketingdude.com and see if you have what it takes to really become more than just a typical agent. Are you the next real estate marketing dude? Find out here next time on Real Estate Marketing Dude.